I was younger, and when I was baptized uh, for the first time, um, I was somewhere around 10. I don't really remember what year it was. Um, uh, I think I was a little younger than that, but uh, I was baptized. Uh, my pastor at the time's pool, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just recalling the memory, um, but uh, I think I was alongside several of my friends at the time, and um, I'm sure that they asked me at the time, you know, do you believe in this? Uh, is this something that you uh, believe in? Uh, do, you, do you know who God is, and do you accept what he's done for you? And uh, I'm sure at the time I said yes, and maybe I did have an understanding of it at the time, of the gospel and, and uh, what Christianity really was and what it meant for me as a sinner. Um, but as time went on and as I got older, it became very evident uh, in my life, uh, especially as I got into high school, that uh, my testimony, or not my testimony, but my profession of faith as a younger boy, um, as a Christian, um, there was something missing because I wasn't living uh, as if I was a Christian. And um, I would have told you at the time through high school um, that I knew God. I could have told you that Jesus died. I could have told you uh, that he rose again. I could have I had all the answers to all the questions, to the necessary questions. Um, however, anyone who knew me in high school, if you really knew me and um, if you spent any amount of time with me, um, it was evident by what I was doing and the person that I was uh, that I was not a Christian. Um, I was indulging myself in the things of the world. I was doing everything that uh, the world told me was okay. Um, on the outside, to someone else, I probably looked like I had it all together. I probably looked like, um, you know, by the world standards, I was a good kid. I was a good guy. And uh, like I said, all the while, I could have told you uh, who God was and what he had done. Um, I could have told you uh, that Jesus died. Um, but essentially what I did was I created my own Jesus. I created my own God in my mind. Uh, who would let me do all these things that felt good at the time, um, who would let me um, do everything that I wanted to do. Uh, I looked like, tasted like, smelled like, walked like, and talked like the world, and yet I claimed to be a Christian. And uh, uh, it was very evident. Uh, any Christian could have looked at my life and uh, told me that that wasn't true. And so... Um, Throughout high school, uh, I, um, as I said, I, I kind of indulged in everything um, that high schoolers typically do. Um, and along the way, I can tell you that uh, looking back now as a Christian, um, there was damage done to myself, and I know that there was damage done to several other people along the way. I'm not going to go into details this morning, but um, just know that uh, I was clearly... Uh, not a Christian, although I would have told you that I was. Um, after high school, I graduated and I joined the Marine Corps. Um, I went to boot camp a few months after graduation, and uh, something pretty cool happened during that time. Um, for that 13 weeks, uh, I was uh, going to Sunday service uh, every Sunday consistently. It was the most consistently in years that I had been to church, and it wasn't because I wanted to hear the word preached or uh, hear the gospel. It was because that was the only time that uh, we got away from the drill instructors. 
And so you can imagine how many people were in the auditorium. Uh, hundreds of uh, young men were there, and, uh, you know, they would turn the lights down low, and it was nice, big, comfortable uh, seats, uh, the pull-down theater-style seats. And so um, everyone was there, whether you were a Christian or not. Um, but something pretty cool happened during that time. I didn't become a Christian. I didn't, um, I didn't come to a new understanding of uh, my faith. But um, I do believe during that time the Lord was kind of tapping me on the shoulder because nonetheless I was being exposed to the word preached uh, every Sunday. I was being exposed to um, uh, the word. And uh, so at the time, uh, I thought it was all good and dandy. I thought, again, uh, that I was saved. And um, I joined the reserve. So after boot camp and all of my training, I moved to uh, central Illinois. Uh, and I, I moved in with my grandma. And uh, uh, my grandma Sandy is, uh, I can't really tell my testimony without telling you how important she has been in my life. Um, she is the embodiment of what Christ can do in someone's life. Um, she is the perfect example of how Christ can change someone's heart. And uh, she's one of the most loving and real people that you'll ever meet. And I moved in with her, and I lived with her while I was going to school. Um, I began going to college classes. I began uh, working on my family's farm and then doing the military thing at the same time. And so um, Grandma would drag me to church periodically. Um, when I couldn't come up with an excuse not to go, uh, I would go with her. And uh, eventually, right before my classes started, um, my grandma introduced me to a cousin of mine, uh, Taylor, and her husband, Matt Adachi. And Matt and Taylor are missionaries with a campus ministry called Crew. Uh, some of you may have heard of it. Um, but Matt and Taylor came over for dinner uh, one night at Grandma's. And... Uh, they're really the first friends that I met um, who were around my age when I moved up there. And because all really the only people I knew were my family there. So um, I had every intentions of doing all the stuff that I did in high school, uh, if I'm completely honest, times 10 in college. Um, I wanted to have fun. I was self-centered. Uh, like I said, I had every expectation of uh, doing what felt good and what was fun uh, at the time. Um, but all this stuff was happening, and, and Matt and Taylor came into my life. I was living with my grandma, and it was almost like I didn't have an opportunity because I, I didn't meet the wrong people. I never met the wrong people. And so uh, Matt and Taylor started inviting me to things, crew get-togethers, um, barbecues, and eventually Bible studies. And so I went with them. Uh, you know, I would go to the Bible studies that they were leading, and I found myself as my college career started um, – that I was surrounded by Christians. Um, I really never uh, gave myself an opportunity. Um, I didn't put, you know, I didn't have, like I said, the wrong friends yet. And for the first time in my life, uh, I had real friends. I had Christian friends. And um, still not saved. Um, still not, I was a believer, um, but um, I didn't truly put my faith in Christ yet at that point. And so, eventually, Matt came to me, and he said, uh, hey, you know, would you want to meet with me uh, tomorrow? And I said, yeah. And so, we met in this area of the college that was just like a study area, 
And uh, I had no idea that what Matt was doing was he was going to sit down, he was going to share the gospel with me as if I was someone who wasn't saved. And uh, that's what he did. And he went through this thing called the KGP, uh, Knowing God Personally. It's this little booklet that um, people and crew use to share the gospel. And um, it's not cheesy like you would think. It's, it's actually got good stuff in it. And so he, was, uh, he shared that with me. And uh, like I said, I had no idea that he was prompting me into the most important question I would ever have to answer, and that was whether or not I was going to give my life to Christ and uh, follow him. And uh, so he did that, and I said yes to the gospel. And uh, that, at that point, uh, that's kind of like looking back, that was the point that uh, I was justified, and then the sanctification process started. Um, that was five years ago, and since then... Um, my life has completely changed. Uh, I never, uh, I wouldn't have bet a penny that I would ever be sitting here on a Sunday morning and sharing my testimony. I'll just put it that way, but um, the Lord is faithful, and uh, uh, here we are. But as I said, my, uh, this testimony is not about me, and in and, uh, and John 3, I, I think of uh, when Jesus said um, to Nicodemus, Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And uh, really, we have nothing to do uh, with our birth. Uh, you didn't have anything to do with your first birth. And as a Christian, uh, you're not going to have anything to do uh, with your spiritual Christian birth. And so um, I can't take credit for um, my acceptance that day when Matt shared the gospel with me. Uh, obviously, God had been working in my heart leading up to that moment. Um, but I want to backtrack to... Um, when I was baptized the first time, uh, last year actually, uh, one of my best friends, Nathan, uh, baptized me uh, on the youth trip uh, when we were at Blue Hole uh, last year on our way back. But um, my first baptism, I'm not saying it's impossible for a kid, a young kid to be baptized and to be saved. Um, but as I told you, it was very evident that uh, for me, um, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't the one for me. And so... Um, Really, my testimony uh, was kind of hard. You know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of really powerful and good testimonies um, since I've been a Christian, and I never considered mine to be one of those. Um, but really, any Christian testimony is, uh, is a good one, and there's a lesson to be learned from each one. And the lesson from my testimony is, um, can you be a Christian, or can you claim to be a Christian, can you claim to have faith, um, and yet not be saved? Can you believe in God and not be saved? Is there a type of faith in Christ uh, that leaves someone unsaved? And um, I had to answer that question, and uh, as we're going to see uh, when we read here in a minute in James, the answer to that question uh, is yes. Uh, there is a type of faith in Christ uh, that leaves someone unchanged uh, because it's not true faith. That's what James calls dead faith. Um, but uh, Matt Chandler, one of the pastors at the Village Church in uh, Texas, he said, to say that you believe in Jesus but do not follow him empties belief of its meaning. Some of you may know John Piper. This is a quote from him. He said, if your faith in Christ leaves you unchanged, you don't have saving faith. Obedience, not perfection, but a new direction of thought and affections and behavior shows that your faith is alive. Um, and so, 
that was really the worst part about me as, uh, or that's kind of the, the climax of my testimony was uh, I had dead faith. I would have told you that I was a Christian. I would have told you, like I said, I could have answered all the necessary questions, and yet uh, I had dead faith. And so if you guys would, I want uh, to turn to James 2. James chapter 2, I'm just going to read it for us here, verses 14 through 26. It's labeled in my Bible, faith without works is dead. Starting in verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Uh, To me, the pinnacle verse in this passage is... uh, 17 where it says so also faith uh, James says so also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead Um, some of you may have heard someone say before uh, I've heard a couple people say this since I've been a Christian um, and when we hear someone say this uh, unlike me I didn't confront them like I should have and I I didn't say anything Um, but I've heard people say I believe That way I'm saved. That way, in case God is real, just in case, I'm saved. And uh, I can't think of a better um, example of dead faith um, than that. And that's something when we hear someone say that, we should be attentive to that, and we should should share with them the gospel. Um, But, again, the question then comes from this passage, and, and James answers it for us. Uh, can you have faith in Christ and not be saved? And James says it very clearly that you can. Uh, you can have dead faith. Um, one of the questions that I had to answer when I, you know, when I read this passage and I was thinking about other places in the Bible that I've read, um, I thought about Paul when Paul says um, we're saved by faith alone, right? Uh, just faith alone. Um, I want to read a couple verses for you that um, that say that first one's in Romans 3 this is Paul writing and he says then what becomes of our boasting is it excluded by what kind of law by law of works no but by the law of faith for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law and then again in Ephesians 2 uh, this is one of my favorite chapters in scripture Ephesians 2 
Um, but again, Paul writing, and he says uh, specifically here, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this was not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, it seems like Paul and James are in contradiction to each other. When we read these verses in isolation uh, from one another, um, if you're simple-minded like me, you think that uh, James and Paul are in contradiction. James is saying that you can't have true saving faith without works, and Paul is saying uh, your works cannot earn you a good standing with Christ or with God. Um, it's by your faith. Um, I want to give you an analogy here. <clears throat> I'm going to use the Avengers movie, uh, and if you haven't seen it, let somebody know afterwards and we'll pray for you, uh, but the Avengers movies, uh, basically if you've seen one of them, you've seen all of them, what happens is um, there's a bad guy or bad guys, and they're trying to destroy the world or take over the world, and then there's this group of superheroes, uh, the Avengers, who um, basically are fighting to save the world from these enemies, and um, at the end of the movie, what always happens is uh, the superheroes kind of come together in one place and they stop the enemy. But throughout the movie, uh, usually there's different superheroes in different spots fighting different enemies uh, at, at different times. And so um, Captain America may be here fighting a, a certain person and then Thor may be on the other side of the planet or even on a different planet fighting a different enemy. Um, I listened to a sermon by John MacArthur and, and he um, he explained this so well, and it brought clarity for it to me. And I would submit to you that Paul and James, uh, they're not in contradiction with each other. Uh, we need to view them, like John MacArthur said, instead of face-to-face um, trying to prove each other wrong. You're not saved by faith. You're saved by works. Uh, and then Paul's saying, no, it's, it's only by faith. Uh, we need to view them back-to-back, uh, -back, fighting different enemies. Um, similar to the Avengers movies. Um, Paul and James are not in contradiction with each other. Uh, they're like the Avengers, uh, two heroes fighting different enemies for the same goal. And so James, I'm sorry, Paul is writing to a group of people who thought for a very long time that they were saved based off of what they do, their works, based off of their re religious practices. Um, James is writing to a group of people who probably for a long time were in that same mindset, um, but then they heard the gospel, and what Paul was saying, that you, you're saved by faith alone, and so now they think that they can utter the words, I believe, I believe in God, and they can believe in him and be saved. And so um, really, Paul and James are, are writing to two different people. Uh, Paul's writing to those people who think that they're saved by what they do, and James is writing to uh, that group of people who thinks that they're saved based off of, uh, again, just their utterance and their belief that God exists. Uh, James even says the demons believe and shudder. Uh, your belief in God does not save you uh, alone. Um, I'm reminded of Ray Comfort. He's a pastor of uh, Living Waters. Uh, they have a YouTube channel, and I would recommend you guys looking it up. There's a lot of really encouraging videos on there where he basically shares the gospel with people. Um, he'll just ride his bike up to people and, and basically make conversation and share the gospel with them. But um, he describes it well. Uh, faith, true faith in Christ is like faith in a parachute. Um, 
you put it on and you, you don't try to save yourself by jumping out of the plane and flapping your arms. It's not by anything you can do because if you did, you'd surely die, right? Um, true faith in Christ is putting on the parachute and trusting in it alone. Um, and it changes the way you live. It changes the way uh, you see things. It changes the way, uh, or it changes your behavior and your actions. Um, I just want to read for you guys. Uh, Jesus talks about um, <clears throat> faith manifested into works or fruit um, a lot throughout the Gospels. And so I want to take you guys to some of these places uh, throughout Matthew and one in John. Um, I'm just going to read these. It's very clear what Jesus is talking about uh, when he talks about a tree and its fruit or a vine and its fruit. And so <clears throat> uh, I'll read these to you guys here. The first one is in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Uh, Jesus, again, speaking, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And then verse 19, this is... Uh, Kind of the pinnacle here. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Uh, again in Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 33 through 35, Jesus says, Either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make a tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. <clears throat> A little later in verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter uh, 13, chapter 13, verses 22 through 23, this is the parable of the sower. Um, I think this resonates with us as Americans, especially these two verses um, in the fairy tale that we live in. Verses 22 says, as, this is Jesus again, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case a hundredfold, in another 30, uh, sixty, and in another thirty. I have one more <clears throat> For you here, and it's in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in, me, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And then uh, verse 6, again, this is kind of like the pinnacle. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Uh, that's a pretty sharp 
analogy by Jesus. <clears throat> but uh, Jesus speaks of bearing fruit. Uh, he talks about, uh, as we just read, uh, a Christian will bear fruit. A true Christian will bear fruit. And uh, really, that again, that's kind of the story of my testimony was, uh, as James said, I had dead faith. Uh, there was no evidence in my life that I was a Christian. And so, um, going back to uh, James chapter 2, uh, James gives us an example of faith manifested into works. And it's in verse 21. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Um, I want to read for you uh, this in Genesis when, ex, or when Abraham uh, is called by God to do this. Uh, God tests his faith. Um, it's in chapter 22, but uh, to back up a little bit, uh, in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abraham is not yet Abraham. He's still Abram. And uh, I'll just read for you uh, this here. He says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. Now time out, Abraham is extremely old at this time, and so is his wife. Um, just so everyone knows. Um, and he brought him outside and he said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to, them, said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, being Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. Now keep that promise in mind and turn with me to chapter 22. This is when God tests Abraham, who is Abram, who is now Abraham. And uh, it says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I'm going to skip down to verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them together. <clears throat> and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram 
caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, uh, and Abraham went and took the ram, and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So here God calls and promises Abraham that uh, you know he's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to have a lot of offspring, and. Um, He's very old, and he doesn't even have a son yet, and God gives him a son uh, with his wife Sarah. And so um, after that, God tests his faith by saying, basically, go and kill your son. Sacrifice your son. I've already promised you that the offspring is going to be many, uh, but I'm calling you now to sacrifice your son. And Abraham's faith manifested itself in works and trusting God um, because he literally had the, sword, the, the knife in his hand about to do as God called him to do um, and kill his son. Uh, but as we read, uh, God was gracious and provided a burnt offering um, and tested Abraham's faith. Um, we have to ask ourselves then, after we uh, know this, uh, as we come to a close, why do we need to know and understand that there is a kind of faith, uh, as I had, um, in Christ which does not save um, and why should we be able to recognize that? I have two reasons for you. They're not all-encompassing, but um, to me, they were kind of the two that uh, stuck out. Um, first one is so that we can test our faith and examine ourselves and if our faith is genuine. Um, another book in the Bible that uh, you can do that with is First John. Uh, it's similar to James. And then number two, so that we can lovingly expose and challenge with God's word those who we encounter or who we know who may have dead faith. Um, that can be a very hard thing to do. Um, but if we know someone who is uh, blind and they're walking towards a cliff and they're about to die, the most loving thing that we could do is jerk them back uh, by their belt and tell them uh, that you may not be saved. Um, and so, uh, that's all I have for you guys this morning. Uh, I'll, I'll pray, and we can close. But, um, as I said, uh, my testimony, uh, that's the message from my testimony, is um, can you believe in God? Can you think you know who he is? Or can you know who God is? Believe in what, he had done, what he's done. Um, believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. Um, and not be saved. And as we read in James, the answer to that is yes, you can. And so, um, Lord, thank you uh, for this morning. Um, you know how inadequate I feel uh, to try to teach um, anything or lead anything, um, Lord, but you are gracious. And uh, we thank you for AV Chapel and how you planted it here in Arcadia Valley. And uh, we th we're thankful for Pastor Mike and Kelly and uh, their service to us and uh, with the church. Lord, we pray that uh, this weekend for Pastor Mike will be rejuvenating as he takes time off. Um, I pray for uh, just him as he, as he still works a full-time job. He has a wife and kids, and yet he still faithfully uh, leads us every Sunday um, and, and shares and teaches God's word to us. Um, we're thankful for the good leader that you've given us uh, in this church. Lord, we're thankful for you. Um, we're thankful for your word um, and how you work 
through us as the hands and feet of your church. I pray that uh, you would give us boldness in our communities in sharing the gospel um, and uh, sharing truth with people. Um, I pray for boldness in that. Lord, we thank, we're thankful for you and all that you've done for us. And uh, Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.